What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalal, and we're Atlanta Zone. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta production sports, wacky SI jinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Excellent, Graham. It is going very well. Excellent. Wow. Excellent. Feeling good? Usually you feel okay, but now you feel excellent. No, feel good. Feel good. Feel excellent. All right. Excellent, Graham. I'm going to stick with it. You excited uh, for some big event or something? You must be really excited about that Falcons-Jaguars fourth preseason game. Yeah, that that's the football game tonight that I'm I'm jacked up about, Graham. That's going to be a big one. The the Giorgio Tavecchio versus Blair Walsh um, kickoff that's not going to matter because they're both going to get cut for Matt Bryant. Exactly how it should have been Yes, in the fucking first place. Yeah, so... Yeah, that's not the one I'm... We're going to your favorite uh, bar, brew house to Ugh. watch the Clemson game. Uh, if they have nothing but the Falcons game on, I might have some issues. They have so many TVs. It's Georgia there. Tech, too. Like, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll have it on. Yeah. They'll probably be showing international soccer instead. It's on this new uh, liberal ACC network, though. Ooh, yeah. I know that just launched. So I don't even know how to watch that besides going, hopefully, to brew house. Well, hopefully they have it for you. Anyways, I'm feeling well. Uh, we're doing a bit of an abbreviated episode today. So you can get to the game on time. Yeah, which is fine. Yeah. It's better than putting out no content. Of course. If you weren't in traffic for two hours, this wouldn't be an issue. I was literally stuck on Oakdale Road for about 15 minutes. On just one road. Well, it sounds like... It's pathetic. You should have found a road with more lanes, Graham. That's the road I get off to get to my freaking... I'd tell you right where I live, but you know. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of groupies out there looking to... <laughs> Come get with you. Well, groupies are one thing, but you know, serial killers are another. We don't want Mark Andre knowing where I live for God's sake. That's good after, point. That, after that damn fiasco, you last have had year. a hit on your life before. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I guess we should get into it then. Yeah, huh? let's get into it. Um, let's talk about the Braves, Adam. The Braves currently stand at eighty-one and fifty-four, six hundred winning percentage, five and a half games up ahead over those bastard Washington Nationals, ten and a half ahead of the Phillies, the Mets, and the Marlins. Are a uh, Long afterthought at this point. So, um, still haven't lost a series since that damn Royal Series in, like, early July. Struggled offensively. But even though they struggled offensively, the Braves pitching has been outstanding over this over the last 11 or 12 games or so. The first half of August, the uh, offense carried the team, and the bullpen was just a mess. The back half of August, the pitching staff, both in the bullpen and the rotation, have been stellar overall. While the uh, offense has floundered a bit, but we're still in a good position. As long as you figure out some way to win the ball game, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and the hope is, I mean, there's literally nothing to be pessimistic about right now. I understand people are going to find things to be pessimistic about, i.e., Snitker playing our top four in the lineup every single day. Yeah, but you got to play your best players, don't you? Well, you do, but I think it's it's important to. I think right now. Is the time they need to rest. I think in this series coming up against... Um, you know, I understand why you don't do it against the Mets. Um, but in this in these games against Toronto and Colorado, I would have rested... You know, I would have rested all of them, but I would have rested at least one of them per game. Now he needs to do that over this these series because we're facing the White Sox and we face Toronto again. I want all those guys to get at least one day off over the course of that stretch. Because you know what? Those games really don't matter all that much. What matters is the like two back-to-back series that we have with the uh, Nationals and Phillies and then Phillies and Nationals or whatever it's going to be. Couldn't disagree with you more, Graham, by saying that those games don't matter at all. I mean, they matter, but... A I'm win's just, a damn win. What, what do you care more about? Winning a game against the silly-ass White Sox or, or beating the... What if playing 
What if they get so burned out to the point where I think the top four are getting a little burned out and Acuna, Albies, Freeman, and Donaldson carrying this this uh, lineup that they need they need a break. If they shouldered a huge burden. I, I agree that they need a break. Uh, but losing, getting swept by the White Sox while the Nationals sweep whoever the hell they're playing, and then it's only two and a half game. Those games matter. So man. you really think that if we rest one of those guys per day, that we're going to get swept no. by one of the worst teams in baseball? It, as always, I'm having issues with your semantics, Graham, and you saying that these games don't matter. In comparison to the Nationals and Phillies series, they don't fucking matter at all. They do matter. They we're, matter, but not as much. Can you agree with that? So would you rather be at a point where you maybe win uh, the next three of the next five games? But your your top four are so damn burned out by the time your division rivals come in town that you're that 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 you can't win as well. I would rather get I would rather lose all these games and then kick ass against the Nationals and Phillies as opposed to uh, the offensive production that we've been getting. Even though we did get production last night overall, I mean you you know uh, the last three games before the Blue Jays game last night we had only scored like four runs. It's just not good. Oh, it's not good. Um, you got to do something to rest these guys. No, I agree. And now let's, it's the time let's not go crazy it. with it, though. I'm but just saying, you got to do it now. I want my guy that I'm most concerned about now is Acuna. He, yeah, he's striking out at an insane clip right yeah, now. Yeah, bad pace. And yeah, I think he he just needs he needs a day. Yeah, like he's got today the actual off day. Right. But I think don't start in the first game against the White Sox. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Yeah. We got Billy Hamilton, who's actually hitting the ball really well and doing what Billy Hamilton's supposed to be doing, which is slapping line drives and putting the ball on the ground. So I'm comfortable with him in center. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joyce is hitting the shit out of the ball. And Ortega is the second coming of Jace Peterson in his heyday. So <laughs> Not we, saying much, but, you know. We can go out and beat the White Sox with that outfield. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's like, just, you know what? I would be fine also with saying Hechevarria plays the next night for, for Ozzy. And let him play second base. Well, that's interesting. You know? And then with Freddie, I don't know, play Culberson over there. I don't, I don't really give a damn. Give him a day off, and then with Donaldson, put Hatcheria at third or something like that. Or put Culberson at third. Like, just, you know. I don't, I don't think we need to tell, I was about to call him Freddie, tell Snit which players to put where. I think he can figure that well, yeah, much out. But I'm just saying, all those guys need a day off over the next five games. And, you know, today not included since we're actually off, but... Did you read that, uh, the elitist athletic article? The interview with, uh, what, what did Anthopoulos have to say about it? He was saying pretty much that it's like up to, <clears throat> up to Snicker. Snicker makes all the decisions in terms of the, um, the, uh, how the rotation is constructed, how the lineup's constructed, who plays and who doesn't, and they offer advice, but it is ultimately Snicker's decision. And Anthopoulos said, you know what? If it wasn't him, then I should just be down there managing the team at this point. Like, who gives a, like, you know, when people are saying I should be doing this, I should be doing that, it's like, yeah, we can advise, but if if I have total control, like, what's the point of having a manager at that point? So I mean, it, was, it was a fair take. It's like he doesn't want Terry McGurk telling him how to do his job, right? You know, yeah. So that's that's fair. Bit of a cop out, but fair. Yeah. So, um, and I, I, you know, to play devil's advocate, I do get why Snicker is very much like. You know, keep playing these guys because the, the the race isn't over. But you also got to look big picture and realize that you're playing lesser opponents, and those guys are still struggling. 
and need some time to rest and recuperate before the most important two weeks of the season come up. Because it's literally Nationals, Phillies, Nationals, Phillies. Well, you also just got to look at history, too. Like, this is exactly what happened last year with these guys getting run into the ground, and then in the, the offense was struggling come September. Right. Um, and going into October. So Especially with Ozzy Albies. I mean, he was like a shell of himself down the stretch last year. He didn't really yeah. contribute much in the, in the playoffs because he was so damn worn down. And come September 1st, I think we will see Austin Riley getting back into the mix. Camargo is just... He's embraced this go to AAA thing that's worked out so great for everyone else so far. He's hitting like five thirty six. Jesus, he's got like a. He's either been down there twelve or fifteen games. He's hitting every single game, mm-hmm. and he he's just killing the ball right now. He's he already has like almost twenty RBIs in those games. Like he's crushing the ball. So Good. he's um he's doing what he's supposed to do. So maybe he can come back up and uh, be the Johan of last year a little bit. That would be nice. Um, yeah, I think he'll get a call up. I don't know if we'll necessarily see Waters or Pache, especially Pache. He's still struggling uh, a lot overall down there. Um, definitely we'll probably get some some help in the bullpen. I imagine we'll see your boy. Uh, who's your boy that you love so much? AJ Minter? Not Minter, but... Uh, God dang. Sabatka? Yeah, Sabatka. We'll Sabatka. see your boy Sabatka. We'll see your boy AJ Minter. Um, Tukey's probably back up. Even though he's been terrible. Yeah. I mean, that was another thing on top of said in the interview. He wasn't really... He's like, we might not get a ton of arms coming up. You just don't know. You don't need them right now. Right. I mean, you also want to keep those guys fresh. Yeah. It's a balancing act, man. It is. What do you, what do you think about Soroka and seemingly how they're limiting his, his pitches at this point? It's completely fine with me. Yeah. Like, why... If, with our bullpen performing the way they are, why force him to throw more than... I mean, if he can get us through six, seven innings and 80, 85 pitches, right. I, I would rather save him being able to throw 100, 110 for the playoffs. Well, I was just actually about to say that. Like, what if, you know, the stamina's kind of set at this point, and then you, have to, you do have to rely on him to go deeper into a game, and maybe he's not groomed to do that at this point because he is getting pulled, uh, you know, throwing under 90 pitches. Hey, Maple Maddox can throw 100, 110 pitches if he needs to. The hell okay. is Maple Maddox? Nickname I saw for him because he's Canadian. Oh, the I got it. Okay, yeah, it's like fuck, it's Maple Max. It's like Greg Max's inbred cousin or something. <laughs> Mike Soroka, baby. Oh, okay. Um, no, that's not a concern for me. I'm completely okay. fine with the way they're managing him because I mean, these I mean, him and Freed are already way over anything they've ever thrown in their career. So they're both they both st- still seem to be strong, but you yeah. don't want to push them. No, I mean that's fair. I think you got to be a little delicate. But so, I, so it's it, like we're up on one hand. We're like, oh, we need to rest these guys. Why would we want our pitchers to be throwing more? I just I think the expectation is for the, your starting rotation is to is to go deeper in terms of the pitch count. Okay, Joe Simpson. Oh, that's that's low. <laughs> that's low. I mean, you can play the analytics card, right? Where you say, oh, guys start struggling after the third turn. And, you know, sometimes that's true, but it doesn't apply to everybody. And Soroka has <laughs> been one of the, the better pitchers in baseball this year. He's definitely the be- been the best rookie pitcher, hands down. If there was some bullshit subjective award for that. He win that, no problem, with his eyes closed. So I'm the, the thing I worry about is what, is what I said. It's like, you know, you get to the playoffs. You know, if we get to the playoffs um, and he has to go deeper, can he do it? We haven't really seen the you know the, him unleashed as much in terms of being like Soroka go throw 
100 pitches get us eight innings when he probably could have, but they're they're being cautious. And I respect that, but at the same time, I also have to wonder about how that affects him in the postseason. Playoff baseball, it's not what it was in the 90s or the last time we were successful. You want your starter to get you six innings and then hopefully turn it over to Luke Jackson Ugh. and uh, Shane Green and Chris Martin. Where's Melanson? I, I haven't seen him pitch as much recently. I just don't think we've had save opportunities. Hmm. Well, he's getting some wrestling. Yeah. I mean, but that's the idea. Like you want your starter to get you through six, and then hopefully you have the arms of the bullpen to shut it down. Right. Which now I think you know it looks like we actually it could. looks like we do. I mean, ever since Sean Newcomb destroyed that fire extinguisher, the Braves have had I think the third best bullpen <clears throat> in baseball. They went through like a twenty-six inning streak where they didn't give up a run. I mean, they've been they've been very very good. I, I love all these random things that. Um, have propelled the Braves this year. There was the Newcomb fire extinguisher. Yeah. And then, did you hear about the dude that got caught with cocaine in his cowboy boot? No. Getting to SunTrust Park? Uh-uh. After that happened, that's we strung off our eight-win eight, eight win streak after that. Hilarious. And now, uh, a report just came out about some guy <laughs> sneaking meth into SunTrust Park and getting caught. Why are these people trying to, like... But the point, I mean, we just went from cocaine to meth, Graham. We're, right. we're up in it now. What's next? So uh, DMT? DMT. <laughs> I, I think meth is above DMT. But we'll save that. From personal experience. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We'll, we'll, we'll save, save that for another... We'll save that for our uh, drug podcast. Yeah, I haven't... Uh, I don't know. But anyway. No, meth is some next level shit, Graham. So someone's sneaking meth into the Braves game. That's yeah, um, that's pretty hardcore. Yeah. So, I mean, probably a 15-game winning streak's coming up, actually. Based, based on all that. All right. Let's, let's, you know, keep smuggling those drugs in, folks. Yeah. That, that helps the team. Do whatever it takes to help the team. Yeah, I mean, you just got to do your part. Yeah, for sure. Like, we, we're, Graham's even knocking on wood every now and then, doing his part. I'm not knocking on wood. I refuse. You knocked on wood one time. Um, one time, just to probably satiate you and, and Hugo. Anyway, uh... I want to talk briefly, real quick, about this uh, Braves Mets game on Friday night. That was one in fourteen innings, uh, two to one by the Braves. Fultonavich versus Degrom. Um, this was the game of the year to me. This is one of the best baseball games I've watched in five or six years. It was a beautiful pitching duel. Every inning lasted like five minutes. It seemed like Fultonavich and Degrom were matching each other's pitch for pitch. It was the best Fulte has pitched. Maybe ever in his life. That might have been the best start I've ever seen him throw. His stuff was moving. He was cutting through the Mets lineup, no problem. The only issue was DeGrom somehow hit a home run off of him, even though uh, he had shut the rest of the lineup down the, the entire night. But one thing with Fulte, and even last night against the Blue Jays, when things weren't going well for him, he doesn't lose his cool anymore. He is mentally locked in. I don't think we got to worry about that, which is, which is a good thing. But holy crap, man. What a freaking game. Yeah, that that was a fun one to watch. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's, it was just a good old fashioned pitching duel. Like you, you don't see those nowadays. Like we were in the sixth inning before you knew it. Yeah, um, yeah, and and Fulte, like him, just I think he struck out the side after Degrom hit the home run. Yeah, instead of losing it, it's just it was awesome to see. Yeah, and he, he, he his, his start last night against the Blue Jays was disappointing. Especially but, when he staked a five-run lead. but he, He's a big wild card. I don't know if he's going to somehow become a starter for us in the playoffs. I doubt it. But imagine Fulte coming, a locked-in Fulte coming out of the bullpen. Yeah. 
Um, that's a weapon. I, it could be. I, I still think we got. He could probably ramp it up to one hundred and one, thrown out of the bullpen. I'm not ready to commit to anyone other than Soroka right now as a starter in the playoffs. I still have to see how everything plays out. But Fulty with this with this start, even though I agree he is kind of a wild. You don't know what you're going to get out of him if he's going to go four and two thirds or if he's going to be like lights out. But that I mean, seven innings pitch, seven strikeouts, only gave up two hits and one run. Um, my God. And then Billy Hamilton comes through in the 14th inning to win the damn thing, <laughs> uh, of all people. Uh, it, it was just one of those games where it just felt like you were in some sort of alternate dimension. You had, it felt like a game from 1997 or something. I mean, it was just classically played, old school pitchers duel, goes deep into extra innings, and then the most unlikely person imaginable comes up with the game winning hit. And, uh, and I just, game. I love the brutality of it all too. For like the Mets, they have their ace going up against technically our number five pitcher. Yeah, uh, that I mean, the stadium was rocking, mm-hmm. sold out, geared up, coming off their their huge win streak. They're like, okay, let's take it to the the uh, first place team. Yeah, and to lose in fourteen innings on your home field, demoralizing. Just get shut down by our bullpen. It just set up the tone for the rest of the series. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. Game, game of the year. It, it was it was a hell of a watch. Yeah. Phenomenal. Um, Luke Jackson going two scoreless, two Ks. Yeah, he looked really good that game. Melanson looked good. Swarzak gave me a heart attack. He had a very uh, rough inning of work, but managed to work his way out of He's it. He's been a little shaky. He has been shaky. Week. I don't know if I'd trust him as much as I once did. I think the wheels are starting to come off a little bit, but... Um, you know Shane Green also pitched an, an excellent inning. Uh, I really love him. What I'm seeing from him week after uh, week after week now, it's just like he's Mr. Consistency. Um, and I think you know we're in a good spot. As I mentioned, we're going against the White Sox, and then we go, and then the Blue Jays, and then the Nationals coming to town. And that will be that decides this. This you know this next uh, run of games after we face the American League opponents will decide the season. You take care of business there, you're good. You don't. It's going to be a. Uh, I think it's more than likely will be just like a two-team race down the stretch. But even though the Phillies are ten and a half back, you still can't be like they're dead. They're still they're mathematically alive. You never know. Um. So it's going to be next couple of weeks will be insane. Yep. For baseball. Um. So, moving on. Oh, go ahead. I, I do have a a question from Hugo. Which. I even told him on this one, I was like, I don't know if you're going to get much of a reaction. Was it a handwritten letter? He sent me three handwritten letters uh, over the last week. Wow. Yeah. Did you respond to any of his I sent letters? one back after I got the third one. Okay. And I was like, all right, are you done? That's all I sent. That was it. Here's his question. What if Ronald Acuna Jr. wanted his walk-up music to be Crazy Train? Best regards, Hugo. Let's say... Uh, Respectfully, though. Think like, you know how you retire jersey numbers? Yeah. You uh, retire songs as yeah. well. A- anyone trying to do that, that would that's Chipper's song. Like, exactly. you, you hear that, you expect to see Chipper strolling up to the plate. Right, and we'll never see that again, so you can't, you can't do that. You can't, the feeling can't be immolated. Even at, uh, was that opening day this year when Chipper threw out the first pitch? Yeah. And they played Crazy Train? Right. I, I think I shed a tear for that. Sure. And... Yeah, it was like you just know Chipper. That's just a part of our childhood. Crazy train, crazy train. Chipper, Chipper scrolling up. Yeah, 
switch hitter, pure. Yeah, I agree with you, Graham. Yeah, you can't you can't do that. Okay, thanks for the question, Hugo. Thanks, Hugo. Yeah, that's very, that's very respectful. Yeah, didn't cause any controversy. Um, let's go to the Falcons, Adam. Another loss for the Falcons last week against uh, I can't remember who they played. God, the preseason sucks so much. <laughs> Uh, against the Redskins, nineteen to seven. Um, so, this was a game though where I saw some encouraging signs. Not necessarily from the offensive line, but from the defensive line. They were getting pressure on Case Keenum all night with a four-man rush. They weren't blitzing that much. Adrian Claiborne was creating havoc. Tack got a what was technically, I believe, called a strip fumble, but it was pretty much a pick. Um, defense was all over Keenum. Did a really, really good job. I think that. You know, has made that's the best I've felt about a Falcons defense in a long time. Based yeah. off that, I know it's preseason, but it was still really nice to see. Yeah, that, that Claiborne signing was very, very underrated. Um, like he's not a superstar, but he's just like a savvy veteran, and I think he's going to push Tack. I'm not going to say Vic. I think he'll push Tack to the next level. Having a guy around that. Yeah, a veteran like that around is, is is great for these guys. And I like using him on the interior as opposed to on the outside because you you form a pretty formidable uh, twosome there with with Claiborne and Jarrett, and then if Tack and Vic can hold up there in the bargain, then you know you could have a pretty solid front four there. Um, especially if Tack and Vic can elevate their game to the ability we know we we hope they can uh, elevate their game to. Um, so that was encouraging to see. Duke Riley has actually looked really good. He's not over pursuing as much anymore. Led the team in tackles with seven. Um, I've been pleased overall in the preseason of just seeing his approach, not overcommitting. He was always a guy who was you know so fast, but by the time, but he would make a move. Uh, his anticipation was poor. He would just make a move where like um, he would just overcommit to where he thought the runner was going to go, and by the time he did that, the guy was going the other way. And he's much seems much more disciplined. So I'm ex- I don't expect you know a super breakout year from him. But I do expect um, what I've seen the preseason is very encouraging to the point where I think he will be vastly improved or where he was the last couple seasons. This is his third year with us now, right? Correct. And he's been trashed the past two years. Yes. But you think he could be a factor? I think he could be a factor. Okay. I mean, just based off what I'm seeing. I'm not saying, like I said, I don't think he's going to be, you know, next Deion Jones like everybody thought he was. But, um, you know, this is a young kid, third year in the league. Even though I was kind of done with him after last year. From what I've seen in the preseason, maybe he's matured. Maybe he's matured. I think maybe he's become more of a student of the game. Uh, whatever he's doing, the discipline is there now, at least from at least from what the game the games we've seen so far. So that's that's been really nice to see. That that Matt Ryan touchdown drive looked solid. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Good, uh, you know, pounding the ball on the ground a lot. Um, mixed in the pass when we had to, and uh, got a nice rushing touchdown from Ido. And yeah, it was it was a solid. It was a solid drive. At the end of the day, how much can you say about preseason football? Yeah, not much. You can only say what the things that you either really hate or really like. And that's the biggest game. Hey, Falcons are up 6 nothing right now. Yeah. It's good. Um, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. How much can you really say about preseason football? Um, but all I can say is that this was the game where the starters played the most amount of time. And against the starting offensive line, uh, the defensive line looked pretty darn good without having to send a ton of pressure. So... And if I recall, Graham, you saw a little bit of progress with the offensive line, too. Yeah, they were... We didn't look as anemic as you no, thought we were. No, there was definitely some adjustments made that looked better. I'm still not sold on... Um, who's that? Gunneau? Yeah. I'm still not sold on Gunneau, um, but Matt was not pressured nearly as many times as he was 
previously, and he was able to actually sit back there and do do some uh, decent work. So, and Caleb McGarry is supposed to be playing tonight as well. So that's that's big news for him to get a little yes, actually get some on field action. Um, he needs it. And I'm really glad that he's healthy enough to go out there and, and contribute. And yeah, so maybe that, that heart issue maybe isn't as big of a deal as we well, they, worried. They said that it wasn't really that big of a, a deal and that he's gotten done before. And um, my you know my concern with him was just the, what it does to his development, having to just not be in drills, not, not being coached up as much because he can't get physical, not get game experience during the preseason, which for a rookie is just so critical, as we all know. But he's playing in a game, so he's, he's getting game experience. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad. It looks like he's a little ahead of schedule from when I think we thought he was going to actually come back, so that's that really good news. Um, let's talk about the kicker situation, Adam. Lots of controversy. Uh, your boy, Tavecchio, as we, we recalled last week when we were um, watching the game while we were podcasting, missed a 39-yard field goal. All hell broke loose. We decided to, for some reason, sign the corpse of Blair Walsh. He missed four field goals in practice. And then from there, Thomas made the, or, you know, seemingly made the decision he should have just made to begin with. Is he called up the goat. He called up the great Matt Bryant and said, we've come for a quote-unquote tryout. Um, and when I saw that, I was like, well, I was really pissed off at first when I texted you. I was like, how dare they try out Matt Bryant? Just either sign him or don't. And then obviously you look underneath the uh, surface and that's probably what is going to well, happen. He's having a physical. You have to make sure he's healthy. Yes. Like you sure. can't deny that you've had a kicker that hasn't played 16 games the past two years. He did play all the games in the last year. No. You're a fucking liar. Tavecchio. That's, Tavecchio played three games for him. Last year, you fool. Yes, that was last year. You said the last two years. So the most recent season, he did not play all the games. Yes. Okay, maybe he played them, but wasn't he hurt like the end of the no. last game? He kicked the field goal at the end of the last the game last year, 2017. He played all in 16 games. So get your get your hatred out of here. He played 10 games in 2015. Okay, that was three years ago. Every other year, what the hell happened then? I don't. I can't remember. He played five games in 2009, Graham. I don't know what happened in either one of those. All I know is that 2010 through 2018 minus 2015. And last year, I'm convinced he, he was he was injured the last game of 2017. Well, you don't he played in it. But and let's keep in mind too that Matt Bryant but, but, went 20 for 21 last year, and it's not like he sucked. He's still a great kicker. Am I making this up though? I feel like we had to have like Bosher kick, or like we had to go for it uh, on fourth down in 2017. If you go for it on fourth down, you don't need a damn instead uh, of kicking it. Oh, because he was hurt. I think that was something that happened last year. Okay. Maybe I'm making it all up. I, think I don't know. All up. Matt Bryant's been pretty healthy over the course but, of his yeah, career. But yeah, he does have to try out because he needs a damn physical. you got to make sure he's That's healthy. That's fine. Especially because he did have an injury last year. Um, but also, yeah, now he's, we're not going to have to pay him as much as we would have. He would, I believe, make the veteran minimum um, if he comes back. So, negotiating tactic. Yeah, according to your boy Vaughn. By Von, insulting him. Yeah, and according to your boy Vaughn McClure, he would have to have a minimum base salary of $1.03 million if signed back by the Falcons. So, uh, and that's just because of the cap hit. So we will see what happens there. I really hope we just resign him and this ugliness is put behind us. Well, did you hear that also? Apparently, Graham Ganoa, also the kicker for the Panthers. Yeah. Apparently, he's hurt, and they're probably going to have to sign a kicker. 
So I've heard no fire around them going after Bryant though. The only people that have gone after Bryant seemingly is is the Falcons. So I think I think we're okay there. But I think this is new with the Panthers. So like oh. maybe there was a concern that they would go after Bryant. Maybe, but it seems like uh, probably end up with Tavecchio. Yeah, if they went to Vecchio, they can have him. Like I've never been totally sold on him, even though he, I know he did kick well last year. But it's just when you have a resume of Matt Bryant versus a guy who was a journeyman, uh, has been a journeyman kicker his whole life. I'll take the resume of Matt Bryant any day of the week. I don't care if he's fifty-seven. Martin Anderson kicked first when he was like forty-nine. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he was kicking last decade in like two thousand seven. Yeah. Kicking since like the seventies or something. I mean, the <laughs> dude was a for like thirty years. Um, so, so hopefully they no I agree. Hopefully yeah. they just sign him. I don't want to have kicker problems, Graham. That's the last thing you want. And like for for a team that's trying to put it together, we don't need a kicker losing us a couple games. No, because we can't afford that's that. the one position where we've been stalwart for the last decade because of Matt Bryant. And uh, out of all the other cons- inconsistencies we've had, we've never had an issue there. Um, you know, since he's been around. So yeah, that you're exactly right. That's the last damn thing this team needs because there's so many other question marks in other places: the offensive line, the defensive line. Um, secondary, so yes, let us solidify the one position that we absolutely can with Matt Bryant. Think Blair Walsh is going to go down as one of the greatest Falcons of all time? Probably in the same way that Carmelo Anthony was considered one of the greatest Hawks of all time. Hmm. In fairness to Blair Walsh, though, he did his ineptitude caused us to bring Matt Bryant back. Yeah, imagine if he had just drilled all his practice kicks like and looked for great, and you know we probably would, you know probably wouldn't have, have signed that. But that was just one of those things where I was just kind of like, out of all the people you could bring in, Blair Walsh, who has proven time and time again he's not an NFL kicker at this point in his career. Sorry, head case. Sorry, Georgia fans. I know you guys love him, but woof. Um, take Matt Bryant's head on Blair Walsh's body, then you got something. You still have. Oh, because he wouldn't be a... Oh. Physically, he's Oh, there. yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, physically, he's probably fine. Yeah. Wow. That's some... Uh, mm. <laughs> I'm just imagining, like, Matt Bryant's decapitated head just, like, over Blair Walsh's head, and you could just clearly tell that he was decapitated, and uh, him running up there to kick a field goal, and the, the, the head just flopping back and forth. Well, I, I picture more of an Angels in the Outfield type situation. Oh, okay. Like, kind of just Matt Bryant's head just floating uh, behind, yeah. like, just giving him a little massage before he kicks. Sure, that's a lot more uh, peaceful and uh, a much more tranquil vision sure. than, than what I had. I mean, you can have blood if you wanted to. Right. Yeah. Just for a little effect. Yeah. It's football. Sure. Yeah. Well, I think that wraps up today's show, Adam. Uh, thank you all for listening. Have a uh, blessed Labor Day. And watch out for that hurricane coming up the uh, East Coast in Florida. You're driving to Florida this week, right, Graham? Yes, I am. Okay. We're going to Central Florida. We should be fine. Traffic should be good, though. Everyone will be coming the other direction. Well, I'm worried about is coming back on Monday and just being totally, you know, screwed on top of Labor Day travels. And then you got, you know, people trying to evacuate from a freaking hurricane. So we'll, we'll uh, you know, see what happens there. Just teach me how to edit the podcast just in case. And sure. We'll, we'll be good going forward. Sounds good. I don't think we need a lot of editing here, so this might be a good first trial run for you. All right. Sweet. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. Have a good weekend. Until next time, rise up, chop on, stay in brotherhood, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Hospital Sip.
Tschüss. 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 Tschüss.